You're listening to Asking for a Friend with therapist Stephen Ng. It's a conversation about human sexuality and how to approach it with intelligence, understanding, and compassion. Hi, you're listening to Asking for a Friend. I'm Stephen Ng, and I'm talking to my friend Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Stephen. How are you? We're having conversations about uh, just about anything sexual. And uh, it might surprise some of our listeners that some of our topics don't seem sexual, but if you pause for a moment, you'll realize, oh, okay, yeah, that's sexual too. In fact, if I could, Jackie, I'd like to just say, you know, there's there's a bit of a problem nationally uh, with our thoughts on sex education because we focus on anatomy and physiology, you know, where the parts are and how the parts work. And we focus secondarily on diseases and pregnancies. But we never contextualize the relationships that are sexual in a human context so that human sexuality is really not that human in the sex ed class. Uh, It's only human anatomically. It's not human in that deeper sense of successful relationships. So one of the things I like to talk to my clients, and as you know, I work with a lot of clients who've been convicted of serious crimes, including sexual crimes. And for them, uh, the vast majority of these individuals have zero interest in any kind of sexual deviancy. And they are not uh, criminally minded. They don't plot crimes in their spare time. But what they have in common is a widespread and pervasive dearth of relationship skills or intimacy skills. And so learning how to be in a happy, successful relationship is something that fascinates them. They don't know about it. They are dying to know about it. They've been faking it for so long. They're sick of it. And one of the things I like to talk about with them is the notion of drama. Well, and it's it's funny. I was right before you said that, I was thinking, okay, if you didn't have these, if you didn't have models, if you didn't have role models to emulate, to to learn these skills, where would you learn them? So, so you would learn them from your friends, your fan, or other people, but you would learn them a lot from from television and and movies, which are very dramatic. You know, I grew up in the what was the first golden age of television. I think we're in a second one now. But in that first golden age, there were a lot of wonderful shows that kids watched. Uh, Courtship of Eddie's Father, Family Affair, My Three Sons, and in each one of those, uh, each one of those families, there was a single dad. Right, mom's dead. Yeah, mom is <laughs> is out of the picture, and I'm not sure what all that meant, but those were those were my role models. Uh, you know, at least it gave me a snapshot, not of how to get there, but of what getting there would look like. You know, what the destination would look like. People would be happy. People would be living in a nice environment. But no. And there'd be no yelling or screaming or name calling or, or fighting. Well, and it's funny. I've, I've always said that in I, I would like to be like in a sitcom if my life was a sitcom. I would like to be the wacky next door neighbor because the wacky next door neighbor never has drama in their own relationships. They just they have their life and it's so calm like my life. I want my life to be so calm that nobody would ever want to make a TV show about me. <laughs> well, that's that's entirely true. I think that that what other what some people would call boring, in fact, people addicted to drama would call boring, is actually very serene, placid, and quite lovely right. for healthy, normal people. 
So before I use this word drama anymore, because I notice you're dropping it too, we should probably talk about what we mean by drama. And I think the first step in explaining what we mean by drama is explaining what normal people do when they are faced with life problems. Normal people engage in a very predictable process. They have a dawning awareness that there is a problem. They, have, uh, they start running through various scenarios of how to solve the problem. We would call them hypotheses. And then they start running experiments to see if this hypothesis will work. And if it doesn't, they may go back and revise their hypothesis or throw it out and, and try a whole new one altogether. If uh, trying to fix the tire by pumping it up doesn't work, perhaps I just need to pray or kick it. And maybe, you know, if that doesn't work, then, okay, I could break down and call AAA. But there's going to be a series of behaviors I go through that are very problem-solving oriented, and they're linear, if you think about it, because once the problem is solved, uh, I get back into my life and I continue motoring along until I run into the next problem. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'm working on bettering my life, bettering my relationships, taking care of my family and all of that. Some people, a lot of people do that, but there's a really significantly large minority of the population that, that has an entirely different approach to problems. They approach problems in a circular fashion. And so instead of linear, they come up to a problem and then they do something to needlessly escalate that problem. And then they step away and typically they'll say, well, and that's your fault or point the finger at somebody else. And then they'll escalate it again. But the problem keeps it just keeps circulating and getting bigger and bigger. It's like a snowball. It, yeah, it's like it's... A very much like a snowball, and 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 not a wonderful one either. No, just, the bad kind. Yes, the kind with rocks in the yeah. middle. Yeah, with rocks ice, and sticks and, and ice and yeah. everything else. Yeah. So, some these people who have that need for drama in their life, and it is a need um, for them. The other way of solving problems is really a non-starter. They're not interested in that. And and this has been such a helpful thing to my clients in terms of sex education, because it's about relationship education, is learning to discern the difference between who is and who is not uh, drama-oriented. Because some people, even when drama is pointed out to them, even when it's patiently explained that this is what you're doing that keeps creating this problem you're trying to avoid, they seemingly can't stop from doing it. And it's about 19% uh, of the population. And, uh, you know, in our upcoming soon-to-be-announced clothing line, we're going to have some garments that are going to carry the slogan, Drama is Death. Because it's an easy slogan to remember when we're caught up in love with someone and we want to make the relationship work and it seems so, oh, just so tantalizingly close because when we first got together, it was so great. I mean, the sex was great and we got along so well and everything seems so wonderful. And can't we just get back to there? And we keep trying and trying and trying. But then we start experiencing this circular business where it seems like we're having the same problem over and over again. And, and some people 
some for some people the dawning realization of that is that's that that internal sigh where they think to themselves god if we've had this argument once we've had it a hundred times because they're not solving problems and and that's why people get battle fatigue from having too many fights in their relationships they don't want to fight anymore because it doesn't do anything it doesn't solve problems it's not going anywhere it doesn't make it better let's just try to get along well and i know and and i had a relationship a long long time ago where his family um nice people but they they solved their problems by yelling at each other (laughs) um and everybody did they well um and he was a yeller and he would yell at me and um, and I don't like to be yelled at. I I, I must have been so most, few of us most do. people don't. <laughs> um, but that was one of my rules. That's one of my rules is don't yell at me. Um, and but he and it, it was not solvable. It was not solvable because every time he'd get frustrated or mad, he would yell. And then I don't yell. I would pick, and I would I would make him feel criticize. I would okay. criticize and make him feel bad about himself, which would make him yell louder. And obviously, this is not sustainable in the long run. I kind of like it, though, in terms of sheer evil, because you kept winning, right? Because the more he would yell in his attempt to communicate, the more out of control he was. And, and, and that's the when I realized I wasn't going to win, because he slammed his fist on the bed next to me one time when I was picking at him. And I thought, oh, that's... A little too close. Too close. That that could yeah. have been that could have been a body part. Well, and that yeah, you're absolutely right for saying that. And I and I thought we have to end this because we're not good for each other. I, I'm not good for him, and he's not good for me. And you know, he may have gone on and had lovely relationships with other people, um, but it wasn't. It was too much drama for us. Right. Right. And and then that's kind of a really good point. I think is that. Just as some of us bring out the best in each other, some of us bring out the worst. Mm-hmm. And I, and and that isn't for for many of us. That's not necessarily a lifelong sentence. Uh, we grow out of it. We become more mature. We get more solution oriented in our thinking. We let go of trauma. I have participated in and created my own fair share of drama in my life. And I, th- I think most people listening to this, if they were honest, could, could admit the same. But there's a difference between engaging in self-defeating behaviors here and there or briefly and then outgrowing it, or even for five or ten years of your adult life before you finally see the light and then going on and never doing that sort of thing again. There's a big difference between that and the person who's simply incapable of going be going anywhere other than the than drama. So, you know, I, I think in terms of drama, what would drama look like? You know, for a normal family, coming home to their house after a vacation and seeing it all flooded, um, quite often for a normal family, well, for the family that's given to drama, let's, uh, let's look at what they do first. They, somebody yells, who left the water on? Uh-oh, somebody's in trouble. You know, and then, and we... Maybe there's some swearing, certainly some yelling, and there's some rushing about. But uh, we never would forget in those families that we need to find the guilty party and punish them, even if it's all the children because none of them are being honest. You know, we need to find out who's guilty and punish them. Whereas in a normal family, oh, the house is flooded. And then the, the, the hypothesizing begins, why is it flooding? Oh, 
did we leave the water on in the water? Oh, did the washing machine hose break? Oh, and, and to be able to go and actually fix the problem, turn off the water at the main and analyze, maybe call a plumber, fixing all of that takes the energy of a normal family in such a way that it's, I mean, sure, they'd like to figure out how to prevent that from happening again, but it's a completely different feel because it isn't about anger. It's about, um, again, getting into that smart part of the brain solving, that does the problem solving. Solving the problem. Yeah. Um, the same thing with, let's say somebody's out on a date. And uh, I say to you, as I have said in times past, where would you like to go for dinner? And I don't care. Where would you like to go? And I said, no, no, really, I, I want you to. And finally, you convince me I have to pick. And then I pick and you say, so where are we going? And I announce where I've decided we're going. And you stare stonily out the window. What? That's not okay with you? Um, no, it's fine. Whatever you want to do. And it's clearly not okay. And now it's a thing. And now it's a thing. It didn't have to be a thing because I, you know, I, I made it clear that I was willing to go to McDonald's or I was willing to go to any place north of McDonald's in terms of quality. But it, it just really didn't, it mattered. What mattered was spending the time with each other. Well, and, and even in that situation, because I've, I've had that where it's like, I really don't know what I want, so you pick. And then he'll say something, or like the appetizer, and he'll say, um, I'm going to get the calamari because you don't care. And I'm like, childhood trauma on, cal on calamari. You know, and I just say that. I, I realize I gave it to you, but not this. <laughs> Pick something else. But, but you know, you don't just go, oh, fine. If you loved me, you would know that I don't eat calamari. Right. The, the, the thing is, are we contributing to solving the problem? And, you know, part of that is recognizing what is the problem. What is the very nature of the problem here? Um, how much control do I need in order to feel comfortable in this situation? And sometimes I need a lot because we're talking about my life. Uh, sometimes I need a lot because even though you're ordering what you're ordering, I'm still sitting across the table from you and I don't like the idea of eating goats and you've ordered the jerked goat at the Rastafarian uh, restaurant. So for me, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just depends what it is and, and the nature of things. So, but overall, what we're looking for is a pattern of uh, linear problem solving that is without the yelling, the screaming, the name calling, or the passive aggressive forms of creating drama. Like, fine, do what you want. And then I, he goes you out. You always do he, anyway. He goes out and he gets drunk and he stays drunk for the next three days. Right. You know, as a way to punish. So a lot of this, it sounds like, is coming back to, you know, we, we say this these a lot, use your words. Yeah. You know, basic communication skills. Yeah, and I'm going to plead guilty to that along with the rest of my profession for convincing America that we really don't know how to communicate. I think we know the we know to communicate. We we are able to communicate, but so often we lack the specific, very common everyday words because we don't have those role models who show us how we can speak up for ourselves. Some of us don't know how to do that. Some of us don't know how to engage in a conflict without abuse. We've never seen that before. Some of us don't know how to talk about our anger without yelling, so we repress our anger until we can't repress it anymore, and then we yell. And so we know how to communicate, but, but so often the problem is, I think, 
we really don't know ourselves and we really don't know we don't know we don't have the intimacy skills we need to be you know putting on our big boy pants and stepping into an adult relationship i'd like to think that we could all engage in drama free problem solving because that's what works best but the reason drama is death is out there is is not just for those who can never ever overcome it but it is for all the rest of us because we just need a reminder that we we can engage in problem solving or we can engage in behavior that makes problems even worse well and i think that that's a good point i mean i think about my own my own behavior over the years and and my marriage and how many times i would say nothing's wrong <laughs> right when something was obviously wrong yeah even if and i'm going to helpful tip because i know you like tips for our <laughs> listeners even if one could just merely start with saying the sentence, I'm really starting to feel uncomfortable because that opens the door. Now, that's not a hard sentence. Everybody knows what those words mean. But to be saying I feel uncomfortable, well, who can argue with that? Those are my feelings. I'm the one who's feeling uncomfortable. You can't tell me I shouldn't feel uncomfortable as if it's a moral decision uh, because it's just a feeling. And then if we're in a functional family, somebody's going to ask me, well, what do you mean? Or what kind of uncomfortable feeling? And I'm going to poke around in my heart for whatever those feelings are. Well, when did you start feeling that way? I think I started feeling that way when you slapped me across the face. (laughs) (laughs) Or I think I started feeling that way when we started yelling at each other. Or when you you insulted me. Yeah. Yeah. Told me I was fat, or or earlier at work when my boss threatened to fire me. Well, and I know one of the things that I've I've had to learn to do is, and I will say, I'm bothered, but I can't articulate it right now. Yeah. So it's like I, I'm acknowledging it to myself. I'm acknowledging it to the other person. I'm not denying that there's something going on, because I I, I think that's a very very subtle form of gaslighting to say nothing's wrong. Right. When something is clearly wrong. Yeah, something is clearly wrong, and saying nothing's wrong just increases my anxiety. If I was your partner and you told me nothing's wrong, but I can tell from a look at your face something is really not and right. And then your head's going to start swirling trying to figure out what it is, or to just believe me that nothing is wrong and go about your business. Tra-la, tra-la. Tra-la, and so now I'm doubly pissed. Right, because I haven't mind read effectively. Right, and so you're so you're creating all these problems when if you just said... Okay, here's what's wrong. Yeah, and again, uh, saying I feel uncomfortable, I'm really feeling uncomfortable right now. It, 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 the problem for a lot of us is we don't know what we're feeling or we don't know how to talk about our feelings in a way that we could feel comfortable with uh, because we weren't allowed to in our family of origin, for example, uh, or we were punished actively uh, when we did try to talk about our feelings. And so instead of learning how to be normal and articulate about what we're experiencing within, we instead shamefacedly minimize it and try to deny that it's going on. When, after all, the only reason we're even in a relationship, in these adult loving relationships, is because we want it to make our life better. So if it's not making my life better, if I'd actually be more comfortable away from you... (laughs) 
then I, pr I really need to figure out how to be comfortable with you if I want to stay with you. And so, again, not so much a communication problem as a failure to, for me to even know myself. Well, and this, this goes back to something we talked about on an earlier podcast about um, called by, by Mutual Consent, is that we're on the same team. Yeah. When it, when it comes right down to it, we're on the same team, and we should be working together to solve the problems rather than how dramatic can we make this, how can we hurt each other. If, just, if every couple could remember that idea of the sacred bubble surrounding them and that all of their problems— for both of them, not just the individual, but for both people in the relationship to remember that all of their problems lie outside of themselves. And the only thing they need to do is to figure out how to reboot to where we can both be happy again. And then as a follow-up, check circle a date 30 days in advance, come back and check it after 30 days. It is what we decided working for us. And if it's not, we can tweak it and live happily ever after. Sure. So bottom line is if you are problem-solving in such a way, and I'll go ahead and do the air quotes again on problem-solving, that makes the problems bigger, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stephen Ng, talking with my friend Jackie, and uh, you've been listening to Asking for a Friend. If you want to contact us, you can uh, tweet us at... Tweet us at Stephen Ng, MFT, with your questions, your comments, and um, we will incorporate them in a future show. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you. Bye. Bye now.